How do you make a vacation last? How do you hold on to the joy, the clarity, the calm? Easy. You go to Aruba. You'll spend your time relaxing on cool white sandy beaches and floating in healing blue water. You'll meet locals brimming with gratitude for an island that redefines what a paradise can be. You won't just feel great. You'll feel relaxed, renewed, and ready for life. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your trip at aruba.com. It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. This episode is brought to you by Pepsi Wild Cherry. Pepsi Wild Cherry is bursting with delicious cherry flavor and a sweet, crisp taste that gives you more to go wild for. Getting wild may look different these days, but whether it's opting for a solo Friday binge watch or a big night out, everyone can indulge in their wild side with Pepsi Wild Cherry, also available in Zero Sugar. So grab a Pepsi Wild Cherry and get wild. Hey guys, this is Emil Heskey, and you're listening to the guys on Coppen Fracas. The best word I can say to describe this one. Miller, lovely cushion header. Hello everybody and welcome to this week's episode of Cop and Fracas powered by Social Media Group. I'm your host Chris and joining me this week to talk about all things Liverpool Football Club, I've got Mush. Uh, and joining us on a full-time basis now, making his full debut after we've announced he's signing on a five-year deal. Uh, we're proud to announce that Ish is now a member of the Coppain Gang. Ish, how are you doing, brother? And welcome. I'm good, man. I'm good. It's good to be back after my debut last week. Like you said, it's good to be a permanent fixture as well. And um, yeah, man, quite a lot's happened since since my debut. So yeah, I'm looking forward to getting into it. Don't, don't let Saudi tempt you, Isha. Don't, don't stick with us, all right? <laughs> Depends how the season goes, to be honest. We have <laughs> last year. You might not see me up in just once. Let's see how it goes. Uh, Mush, how are you doing, bro? I'm good, man. Uh, feels like a very, uh, I don't know, it feels refreshing, to be honest. I think, do you know what? I've been watching a lot of the cricket, watching a lot of the tennis. It's been a, it's been a good way to step away from the football in a, in a, in a good way, and then you're kind of coming back to fresh new faces at Liverpool, and it just feels like a an entirely new thing. And I'm I'm really not carrying the baggage of of last season, man. So yeah, excited, bro. I love to see it, man. It's it's, it's important, I think, especially after last season. Uh, some of the highs, but the many many lows to take that step away and kind of actually enjoy preseason for yourself. 
weirdly as a, as exactly. I think as a fan yeah. that's the thing I think as a fan we actually need that we're so emotionally invested in the game for like what eight months yeah of a year it's um yeah it's just important to kind of take that step back and not touch grass per se but just kind of figure out that the it's actually it's a sport it's 11 people on a pitch and we can only control so much of that so, so. and and the other thing Chris that people forget is in pre-season or off-season things don't change every day what changes is the verb. The verb goes from interested to exploring to inquiring. You know, these things happen over a week and it's just like, <laughs> you've, got to, you've got to keep it moving on other, other plates, man. So, yeah, I, th- I think I've, got, I've had a healthy distance, I would say. We'd love to see it, man. Um, we will also be joined on this podcast by a special guest. Uh, we will keep the special guest rolling uh, this summer, the summer of Kef. Uh, we'll be joined by Dot from the Beautiful Game podcast. He will be joining us shortly. So I'll get us started. Um, won't do the usual Patreon plug because if you don't know by now, you know the best place to go. It's patreon.com forward slash Um As Ish alluded to earlier on, it's only been a week, seven business days since we did this podcast last and a lot's changed. Uh, one of the things that's changed is that Fabinho Tavares uh, seems to be off to Saudi Arabia to pay for uh, what what club is it now? Al Etifak. There we go. I'm not even going. I'm not even going to try to pronounce that because it will be <laughs> Al Eti Al So I mean, that, that's just that's just let's just put that one to bed already. Um, but the fact that we had to figure out what team it was is just pause for concern in itself. Um, and we're going to try and minimise the pause on this pod as we did last week. Um, so yeah, the the man named the lighthouse, the person who came in after our low in the Champions League final and really kind of brought a stability to Liverpool and helped us win a European Cup. He helps us win a Premier League. He helps us win an FA Cup and a League Cup. I am actually I'm actually quite sad to see him leave. Um, granted, we will be recouping a lot of the a lot of the value uh, we got for him. It will be forty million pounds that he goes for. But Mush, I'll start with you. Initial thoughts when you saw this news, and now you've had a bit of time to digest it. How are you feeling about it? Mm, great question. I think. I think I think my thoughts have always had two layers because one thing that I've always stood by is bar this past, you know, 18 months or so. I, I and I know Casemiro's got the better of him and a final here and there, but I genuinely think for the last two to three years prior to that, Fabinho was widely considered, not just by us, but across football, the best defensive midfielder in the world. And it just felt a privilege to have such an intelligent, um, you know, an intelligent, vigilant, you know, sharp player that protected so much. We were a very front-footed team and he was the calm within that storm. And and I'm just incredibly, I think we're incredibly lucky to have seen a player as good as him at his best. I I actually don't think it's realistic to sign and expect a player to be as good as he was. I, I think there is a bit of a lack of, quality defensive midfielders you get you know you either get a passer you might get a tackler but Fabinho was an amazing balance of of both on on a reliable level so yeah man I I think the one thing I've definitely managed to separate is what he is now producing Mm -hmm. I know some people have this mentality of you know we might be able to reload it we might go again this is a level that can't be he's not going to find whatever it is that we're trying to refine basically so 
I think I'm very much at peace with the fact that he should go. I think him going to Al Etifak is a big, big indicator as to what choices he has in his career at someone who's still 29. And that's very indicative of why we should really move him on as well as him going to that level. So, yeah, man, a great player when he was great, but but far from great now. And what a price to be moving him on for. It is a good price to be moving on for. And I think that's kind of what softens the blow a little bit. We did see that regression over the past 12 months in more detail. I think 18 months is the perfect timeline for here. But the one thing that came across my timeline, I think it was over the weekend, was his performance in that first leg uh, of the Champions League semi-final against Villarreal. I was lucky enough to go to that and he put an absolute shift on that pitch. And it just goes to show you when this guy was operating at the top of his game, he generally was one of the best defensive midfielders in the sport. I Bro, mean, what about because... his first big game against United? I was literally aghast by how good he was. His games against City, his game against Barcelona when we came back on a yeah. yellow, on a yellow from about 10 minutes in. And, and he, he, it didn't stop him from tackling. Like, this guy was amazing. And I, and I just think the biggest testament to him is, like I said, I don't expect any player coming in to match what Fabinho could do at his very best. 80 minutes of just nothing but one of the peakest midfield performances I've ever seen. Amazing. It was unbelievable. When when the circumstances and the situation around it was so intense. I mean, unbelievable. Um, Ish, I'll kind of come to you. How are you feeling about, obviously, the situation we find ourselves in with Fabinho? And not talking about direct replacements, we'll kind of talk about that in a little bit of a little bit of time, but what do you think Liverpool need to look for when they kind of search for this replacement as well? Um, first of all, I'm, I'm, I'm just to echo what Mish is saying, I'm delighted with the fee to, to, re- to recoup that much money for a player whose form is, is literally fallen off a cliff in the last 12 months. I think is is nothing short of amazing on our part. We've been kind of handed a bit of a gift from, from the Saudi League. We'll obviously touch on Hendo in a bit as well, but I think from that point of view, absolutely delighted. The only thing that does concern me a little bit is there's a bit of, there seems to be anyway, a bit of a lack of planning on the club's part. We're now hearing that for being the departures kind of put our, our transfer into, into a bit of disarray. Personally, I would have been looking to get rid of him this summer regardless. Obviously, we weren't looking, we probably weren't thinking to get £40 million back, but I think, like Mish said, he's never going to kind of recoup that form from 18, 19 to 19, 20. I think we should have been looking to move him on anyway. Then coming on to the replacements, this is where I'm a little bit concerned because some of the some of the names kind of touted around towards the start of the week were, were spooking me a little bit. If I'm being honest. I don't know. Should we should we should we go through that? Should we go through yeah. that list yeah. Uh, yeah. of yeah. what was because it, it genuinely made me ill um, when I saw <laughs> it. So um, yeah, I, I was doing cardio and I was like, well, I'm, I'm probably going to vomit now. Um, which is not what you want, listeners, when you're on a treadmill. You don't want to vomit on a treadmill. It's already hard enough. Um, Sofian Amrabat was one of them. Fair enough. He played okay for Morocco in the World Cup. I don't want Do you know what's worrying about Amrabat? Is that we want to reach a new level, but I could literally imagine Sofian Amrabat signing for any Premier League club this summer. That's that's the way I see it. If I told you Villa have managed to sign Amrabat for them, you wouldn't be shocked, would you? Yeah. Villa have actually got good midfielders, though. That's that's the thing. Yeah, okay, fair enough. I mean, yeah, I, I Ful- even Fulham, let's say Paulin- Paulinho goes and they put some big money in. I can just see it 
Like, I don't know, man. Amrabat, for me, would be a good squad player, but yeah, taking us into the future, I'm not sure. Uh, Ryan Gravenberch was the other one, which, I mean, as a, as a six... <laughs> never no. even... No? <laughs> <laughs> it's, never, it's never moved me, really, to be honest, at all. Like, I think, especially if we're, if we're trying to like look at his stats from the last season, it's there's pretty much nothing to go by. He spent the whole season on the bench. People are kind of uh, pulling up his stats from like 2021 as a comparison to players from last season. <laughs> everything. But it, yeah, Gravin Birch for me is, it, we shouldn't be looking at him. I, it's a name that keeps coming up, but for me, I'm, it's, it's not doing it for me at all. Calvin Phillips was the other one, which I thought was quite interesting to a degree, but this is not the Calvin Phillips of the first season under Bielsa when they're in the Premier League. This is the Calvin Phillips that couldn't actually cement any form of place in a Manchester City side, um, which kind of has to raise a red flag if you're not good enough and you can't get to the requirements that Pep Guardiola requires of you. Again, I'm not saying they're the same style of manager, but if you can't get to the, what he requires of you, what are you going to say that you can do what Jurgen Klopp is asking you as well? So they kind of put similar demands on their midfielders. And of course, the last person mentioned was Romeo Lavio, who I think is kind of a consensus favourite of, of Coppen, who, who we should bring in. The one person who wasn't on the list, and we are now joined by our, our surprise guest, Dot. Dot, thank you for jumping on with us. Um, you are a man who has been interviewing some top people in the game, um, Tony Bloom being one of them. What are your thoughts on Caicedo for this summer and the outcome that you see for him? Um, um yeah, I was I was of the opinion that if I think there was like a there was a I can't even talk there was like a um what is it a space um and obviously it was like not realistically like who's the best fit to play defensive midfield and I was like realistically it's actually Caicedo. Do you get yeah. what I mean? Obviously, I know that the price tag is hefty, but if we're gonna get you know 40 million for Fabinho and potentially 10 to 15 million for Henderson, obviously I know this ain't football manager, but you add another 30 to 40 mil and that gets you Caicedo. And the reason why I'm leaning towards Caicedo is because when I look around Europe, mm-hmm. I don't see any other DMs that have the capabilities of what he has. And when I say that, I'm talking about just that sheer physicality in defensive midfield. He wins every sort of like 50-50 perfect fit. And why I lean towards him over anyone else is because A, he's 21, and B, he's actually ready now. Whereas Alavia is someone that, for me, can't be signed to to replace Henderson or Fabinho. Do you get what I mean? So... In in my world, Casado is the number one pick, but I don't see us going for him. Doc, Doc can I ask him. you? Can I ask you a question? And ple- pleasure to meet you, by the way, bro. We'll do it on the pod. All, all good. Um, so one thing that I feel whenever I watch Casado, and, and Chris knows, even before Chris was a fan of him, I pushed this for quite a long time. So I'm big on Casado. <laughs> I'm, I'm I'm very big on him. But one thing I've I love about Casado is he actually plays through the thirds quite well, right? You find him in in, in a lot of areas of the pitch because of how dynamic he is, as well as being very good on the ball. Um, 
the one thing I, when you think about Fabinho and how he's played for Liverpool, and maybe it's not safe to always use the previous templates we've seen, but Caicedo is like a contributor in possession, whereas Liverpool six, you, you're almost every other touch of the ball. Do you think he would cope well with that level of responsibility for deciding and dictating our pay, play, not just contributing to it? Let's talk about bird dogs. Bird dogs make you look good. They're stretched khaki shorts designed to fit slimmer through the thigh and leg, giving you a truly sculpted look. They fit better than regular shorts that are made of a stiff, restricting cotton. Bird dogs fix this issue by inventing cloud knit fabric that looks just like khaki, but stretches so you get a way slimmer fit without having to sacrifice movement. Bird dogs uses anti-stink sweat wicking fabric that keeps you cool and dry all day long. So how do you get them? You go to birddogs.com forward slash pool and enter promo code pool for a free Yeti style tumbler with your order. That's birddogs.com forward slash pool for a free Yeti style tumbler. You won't want to take your bird dogs off. We promise you. I don't I don't think that will be his job, if I'm being totally honest. I don't sit here and think Fabinho is a dictator. I know very good on the ball when he's at his best and obviously breaks the lines, but I don't say he dictates our play. Do you get what I mean? Yeah. And I think like the added sort of um, midfield in regards to like Trent dropping into that centre area will help someone like a Casado. So he's not the player that's always going to receive the ball from the defenders. You get what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, and yeah. let's remember, bro, he's only 21. Like he's still got a lot of learning to do. And like, when when I think of him, profile-wise, I think he's very similar to Genie Wijnaldum. Not as technical, but the way he wins his 50-50 duels, he never gets barged off the ball. Obviously, he's still got work to go technically to get to that sort of level where he can retain the ball all the time and retain it consistently and get out of tight spaces. But in terms of a profile, I don't think he's too dissimilar. He's a better passer than Genie. I, I would say that. He's, he's a very good passer of the ball, Caicedo. Genie, you know, we saw a lot of, my complaint was, we saw a lot of choosing to roll it short to Robertson when there were you other know, things. I, so. I think that was Klopp, you know, I think that was Klopp. Yeah, everyone Klopp. says, I, have, I have agree, but, you know, at the end of the day, you've still got autonomy on the pitch, right? Like, <laughs> if you're going to do something positive, you can still choose to do yeah. it, but. Sorry, my, my, my hater, my hater vibes are coming through there, I apologise. But, we miss Genie. Listen, if we had Genie this season... We probably would have finished second or third. So who am yeah. I to say anything? No, that's a good point. I mean, I think the Kaiseido one's so interesting because there is so much development still left to his game. But you look at kind of the raw ability he, he can do. The way he was filling in the right back at some points for Brighton last season is such like an underrated aspect of just what he can do. But I just think, I, d I don't know why. And again, we, we always kind of have this conversation when we talk about Liverpool. A club like Liverpool should be in for that type of player. He's a transformative player who can actually kind of push the midfield to the level it needs to go. And let's be real, we've made some absolutely fantastic signings already, midfield-wise. You know, Sir Barzilai, fantastic. Alexis McAllister for the fee we got him for, absolutely unbelievable. I, for one, am sharing the same enthusiasm as Klopp in the uh, inside training videos where he's just, He's, he, he, he's just looking like he's got like a man crush on this like new midfielder that's in his team. He can't do any wrong. Just everything's just so there. But Ish, kind of, obviously, you know, with Fabinho looking like he he will leave, that's confirmed. We'll kind of discuss Henderson a little bit later on. But what profile of footballer do you want for that role? Because I think this opens a bit of a bit of a wider conversation about what we consider the modern number six to be. So we've really grown up 
and this is more of a me and mush thing because we're we're just uncles at this point. We we've grown up for a different. We we are man. We're in our era now. We've grown up for we we've seen all the different DMs come. We've seen we've seen Makaleles to flipping Busquetses, man. I've seen everything under the sun. We've we've been there. We've we've seen the yard dogs operate the number six role. We've seen some finesse. Uh, we were there for the SEN Renaissance. Uh, we've we've been there. So I think it opens a wider conversation of what we want from the modern number six. So Ish, the floor is yours. It's it's a tough one. It is a tough one because I think, obviously, if you factor in in like age profile, there's there seems to be a massive disparity in the market right now. Everyone's either in that sort of nineteen to twenty one year old bracket where, for me personally, I'd probably want someone a bit more experienced just because of how the rest of the midfield is looking at the moment. Mm-hmm. Any sort of players who are sort of your twenty eight, twenty nine, so who are just costing like outrageous amounts of money, kind of like a Palinia. Is, as a good example, I think Fulham are quoting around 80 to 90 million for him, which even if you can get that down by 10 million, I'm still thinking that's a lot of money. That is, a, that is a lot of money for a player who I think is very, very good. And I think he kind of fits the profile of what I'd want in terms of like just a pure ball winner in there. Um, but I think, it, yeah, it depends on how you're going at in that midfield. If we go back to a 4-3-3, then I think we definitely need someone who's going to be more of like a destroyer. If you go to if you stick with this box midfield, then we can we kind of need someone a bit more controlled in there because I think we've got a lot of players who are sort of high volume passing, even like your Trent's. As much as he's a very good passer of the ball, sometimes and I don't think that's that's pretty through design a little bit as well. He does try and force that that final pass quite a lot, whether it's from deep or from out wide. I don't know if he's that controlled with, with the possession. Summers lie as well, quite similar, not afraid to take shots or or take risky passes. So if I'm looking at that midfield now, in terms of all, all of our midfielders, there's only really maybe like a McAllister to a lesser degree and like a Thiago who I could see who could come in there and kind of be more of a dictator and be more sort of uh, measured in possession. So I think the makeup of our midfield is kind of, it's what's intriguing me quite a lot. I think that will kind of, that will lend a lot towards the decision we're trying to make. But for me, I think what, the first and foremost, what we need is a ball winner in there. Because I think a lot, of, a lot of our problems last season was we were getting turned over way too easily in, in midfield. Mm-hmm. Even if sometimes we had to draw a foul, I think we saw Paulinho get, nine, ten yellow cards last season, but I wouldn't mind the bit of that I remember in my midfield. I think someone shared the 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 clip in the group chat the other day of uh, Fabinho against Napoli trying to trying to hack down I can't even remember who it was trying like three, four tackles on the same guy, just not being able to get anywhere near him. So I think in terms of like profile number one, I just need I need a ball winner in there. I need someone who's just gonna ball win. We've got enough source in the midfield. I just need someone who's gonna like you said just be a bit of a dog in that midfield and kind of just be Fabinho, basically. I know we're not going to get someone back to that level again, but be like a Fabinho sort of defensive midfielder from that 18, 19 to 19, 20 period. He just kind of knows he's going to sit in there, let the other players thrive and go forward and kind of go from there. But the market is looking a bit peak at the moment. It is looking a bit peak at the moment. I, I, it's, I, I'm just hoping that FSG and Klopp have got an ace up there, Steve, who we've not really considered yet. Because if we're going by Twitter at the moment... A lot of these guys, I'm not. I'm not really interested in. To be honest, I'm really not interested. Who, who's the one guy you've seen? You've gone. Oh God, please no. There's always <sighs> one. For me, it was Calvin Phillips because I was just like, the injury record alone should just ring massive alarm bells for us. We, we've seen a guy this season play or, or not play. Even they put up his. They put up his and Rodri's stats, his minute stats last season. Rodri was even getting minutes in like a Carabao Cup, FA Cup. That's how much this guy was just even. <laughs> Or just not trusted by by Pep, so I think for us to be looking at a guy like that, 
I don't know how I don't know how true it is. I'm hoping it's just one of those names that we just sprinkle out there. But <laughs> me, I like Calvin Phillips. Don't get me wrong. I hope he does well at City. But if if we're signing him as our DM and no one else, I'm kind of looking at it thinking should we have just kept Fabinho? Like should, at least we know this guy's going to be available. He might have been looking like a top uncle out there. But <laughs> how many games are we going to get out? Get out of Calvin Phillips next season? Let's let's be honest. Like, yeah, that that was the one for me. I was just like, nah, please miss me with that one. Fair, very fair. I'll kind of ask you the same question as well in terms of what you'd want from that kind of like number six to come in and be that Fabinho replacement. I think the ball win aspect is is so key. But would you someone would you want someone with decent distribution as well who can have help contribute to that build up? I think that's the bare minimum, man. I don't think you're gonna survive at the top level just being a dog. You get what I mean in terms of <laughs> running around and tackling. I think you need to have some sort of um, poise on the ball you, you need to be able to receive it from the centre-backs and <laughs> what's mad is that like during the Jude Bellingham links here I wasn't a big fan like before obviously we pulled out the race I wasn't massive on Bellingham I was like one of the few Liverpool fans that was like listen I think this is a bump and I think if we're going to be Going to next season with Drew Bennett and being that marquee signing, we've only got ourselves to blame. That was my position. And before it became apparent that Declan Rice was going to go to West Ham, I mean to Arsenal, that was my number one choice. I would have spent anything to get Declan Rice to Liverpool because I think, in my opinion, he's the best defensive midfielder in the Premier League. Obviously, he hasn't proved it. Proved it. He hasn't proved it. Obviously, Rodri's got the accolades. Rodri's been at the top level for three, four years. But attribute-wise, profile-wise, he's the best. And for me, that signing from Arsenal, yeah, is equivalent to when we bought Liverpool Van Dijk from Southampton. I'm not saying I'm not saying he's going to win them the trophies that Van Dijk won us. But what I'm trying to say, profile-wise, everyone knew that Van Dijk was a top defender at Southampton. No one called him the best, but they said he's got the best attributes. And then when he came mm-hmm. to Liverpool, he proved that he is the best. And I think we're going to see similar with Declan Rice. So ideally, that was my first choice in midfield and I would have paid anything for him. Now, I think you would have had a few allies in the old Coppen group. I know Farhi's a big fan. Um, Mush, you're a big Rice guy, if I remember rightly. Um, Absolutely love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Good player. And I think that's that, that's such a good point as well. I think there's two avenues you can go down here. I think... One thing we always forget, and I'm glad you mentioned uh, Rodri ish, is when, when he signed for Manchester City originally, obviously he didn't hit the ground running. There was a bit of, there was a large adjustment period that he had. Now, you look at the profile of that player, and you look at the profile of someone like Kefren Taran, for example, both of them are you know, quite big, very good technically on the ball. They know what they need to do. Could you do something where you buy a player like that, and over the long term, you kind of coach him up to do that? I thought you're shaking your head. Yeah, so, I completely, I completely you know, agree. Yeah, by the way, you know what? You know what's mad, ish, uh, because the way you're speaking, you're 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 hinting that you want two midfielders. Is is that the vibe I'm getting? Because I think we've got too many midfielders, bro. I, you know what? I I, I even wrote out our list of midfielders <laughs> yesterday, and I was like, numbers wise, it looks good, but it depends on a couple of things. For me, I don't want to see Trent at right back. Full stop. No inverted right back. No, no, no right back. I just think Trent just. Put man in midfield. He can occupy that right. He can occupy that right-hand-sided eight role or playing in double pivot. That's for me. That's where he looks most interested now. 
doesn't really look interested in playing at right back. So I think if you've got a player like Trent in there, the quality level just goes up instantly. So that's why I'm leaning more towards... We don't need to... For me, I don't think we need to break the bank on two midfielders, but I think one midfielder and the right back, and you've kind of got all the pieces that you need in there. But in terms of like the defensive midfielder point, I think Chris made a point earlier about when Rodri signed for City. And you can say the same kind of for when Fabinho signed for Liverpool as well. There were some moments in that first season where I was just like, what have we signed? Like, this, he, looked off the, he looked off the races until about the halfway point in the season. So I think, especially in that DM role, it's definitely a role you can kind of grow into a little bit. The Kefren Toram links. I personally, when we were linked with him and Kone, I was always leaning more towards more, more towards Kone. Maybe I think I just watched him a bit more, and he was kind of more the profile I want. I think he's a bit more, he's a bit, he's a bit more of a better ball winner than than a Turan. But I wouldn't mind a player like Turan. I think he would fit the profile. I think he could grow into the role, like Chris said, kind of similarly to Rodri. But I, I think what I like to see in there is I need someone in there with some presence, which I don't know if Lavia's quite got that yet. That's the only thing that's kind of. He looks like an excellent prospect, but for me now, if we're only going to sign one midfielder, which I think we will, I don't think we're going to get two. I do worry that Lavia is going to have to come in and pretty much start straight away and hit the ground running. He was good last season. I do, I do think he was good, but a part of me is just like I feel like the fan base has kind of latched onto it because he's the player that we've been most linked to, and they just kind of said, "Yeah, this is a guy now. I don't want anyone else." But. I, I'm I'm not closing the door. I don't think it for me it's Avio or no one else. I kind of actually it's mad because um, I speak to I speak to like quite a few people around Avia because obviously mm. I'm, I'm cool with their agency, yeah. And bro, like everyone there says he's gonna be the best DM in the world. Just give him a few years, he's gonna be the best. Like he's the truth. Like Man City never wanted to let him go. That's why they put the buyback clause. He's gonna be incredible. Mm-hmm. Where I stand is that I rate him. But is he ready to be our DM this season? That's 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 the question. It, I mean, it's, it's, it's throwing oh, the ba- it's throwing the baby with the bathwater, isn't it? You know what I mean. You it's 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 sink or swim, especially for the aspirations that Liverpool have. I, I would ask a simple, simple question, and I've asked. I don't know why I've been lambasted for asking this, which is <laughs> if you if you think of all the top teams, I'm going to go as far as say to last ten to fifteen years, yeah. Whether you're thinking us, whether you're thinking City, whether you're thinking Bayern, whether you're thinking Barca, have any of them had a defensive midfielder who's below 25 years of age? Whether you look at Javi Martinez at Bayern, whether you look at Sergio Busquets when he, you know, moved into that age group, whether you look at Fabinho, whether you look at um, Fernandinho and then Rodri, it's I just think it's such a high responsibility, high match understanding that comes from game time, comes from familiarity, from situations in matches. It's so rare to see a holding player be a young player at at a top club or a club aiming for big things. That's that's not me, you know, I'm not I'm not consigning anyone to never being able to do it. I, I literally just I just haven't seen it. Um, happen. Even Michael Carrick. Michael Carrick joined United at 24. Like Everyone had their years, whether it's mid-table, whether it's in an, another league, to really develop that understanding. And then you come into your best years at a much older position. So what we're saying about Lavia, about how good he is, there's no harm in a 19-year-old becoming the best player in the world in his position at 25. So we're six years away from that. Are we going to wait six years for, for him to get there? 
I very much doubt we're the beacons of, of patience at Liverpool Football Club. So, yeah. <laughs> literally, we've, we've literally seen that with Fabio Carvalho for a start. Yeah, there you go. There you go. We didn't let Harvey Elliott have two bad games and we were all writing him off. So, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I would say that as just a general observation of the position, man. I don't know what you guys think of that. I think it's it's kind of mad because let's be honest, like the Fabinho stuff here, it's kind of throwing a spanner in the works. You get what I mean? Because... I'm not going to lie, last season I was like, listen, we need to shop Fabinho. I don't know yeah. if any of you lot agreed, yeah. but I was like, you know what? He will still have market value. Can you should have listened every week, bro. Trust me. You know what I mean? so, like, <laughs> <laughs> but I think like, I, I kind of agree with Mush, but that's why I think Caicedo is the exception. And that's why I think he's such a special talent because he's 21. But if you watch him on the pinch, you'll think he's 27, 28. And I think... That's why Brighton value him at so much money because he's only 21 and he's already the finished article in terms of winning that ball back. I don't think he's going to get any better at being that DM to win the ball back. Where he will improve at a team like Liverpool or even at a team like Brighton is playing with better players, playing with technical players. And over time, his ball progression and how he manipulates the ball will improve. So that's why I think if I was Liverpool, spend anything on him, bro, because he's the difference maker. The, the only game I went to this season was actually that Brighton 3-3 game at Anfield. And mm. um, exactly what you're saying, Dot, like it, it's not just about stature in terms of his build. He's fantastically built for a kid his age. Like he, he looks it, but it's also authority. Like we weren't even pressing Caicedo by the end of it because it was like, he's either shrugging us off, he's turning out, he's dropping a shoulder, he's, he's asking for the ball whilst, you know, Carvalho's hanging off his, you know, his sleeve or something. And it's just like, it, it was exactly that. I think with Caicedo, you're looking at a different level of um, of stature to a player. If you're just, if, if you didn't know he was 21, you would never guess he was 21 on that pitch. Facts. Yeah, big facts. No love for Chick DeCorey. No, man. I wasn't. No. <laughs> no, no, he no. Was... That was the name. You know when you asked about what he's not that bad. He's not that bad. He's not that bad. And also, he's got one thing in his favour. He's got that one good game against us, which all of our signings seem to have. Remember Darwin Nunes when he's got like a hat trick of our own goals. We absolutely bored out. I think the game at um at Selhurst last season where Henderson mm-hmm. blocked the free kick from going in. But he was yeah. immense. He was immense that game. So I'm kind of. You see my guy. You guys see, you guys see my guy play with like Jeff Schlupp and that every week, and he doesn't look, he doesn't look any better than them. So I, yeah, I don't know. He, he, he was carrying that midfield for parts last season. He was, he, yeah, was. he, was, he was carrying. It was a one man show in that midfield. Last he, season. Was, he was, he was. having to do dog work for Will Hughes. Come on, let's give him some benefit <laughs> of the doubt. You know what I mean? Come on, man. Um, Come on. <laughs> uh, I, 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 I could see how that could work, but I. Again, it, it just goes to the state of the, the market for defensive midfielders at the moment or people you think can operate within a six role. It's so scarce in terms of top-level quality. Um, I've even seen like stuff like Kimmich mentioned, and I'm like, I don't... It, it just wouldn't work. The, the, I mean, f- f- don't get me wrong, fantastic player, but for the defensive aspect of a Premier League team that you need, I don't think you could deliver it. Chris, your boy chose to leave his hometown and go to leave your hometown and go to Saudi, so you can blame Mr. Neville. I too have con- I too have considered leaving my hometown and going to Saudi. So I mean, <laughs> I, don't, I, don't, I don't I don't blame him. Um, 
Yeah, it's I don't know. It's just it's so difficult. It's there's there's two markets at the moment which I think are just absolutely insane. If you weren't even trying to find value or instant quality, it is a number six market and a striker a striker's market. A striker's market is absolutely insane. That's a problem for those who knew, who need it. Um, I did want Dot. Why 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 you're here? I did want to kind of get into um, the actual details of what goes in to an actual football transfer because I think we've all got a bit of a surface level if you know how a transfer works but if you could shed any insight of stuff that happens behind the scenes in terms of how a club go about approaching an agent how that agent presents that to his client and how the ball kind of gets rolling that would be I think that would be really good for the audience I'm struggling Um, (laughs) from from the from the the whispers that I hear, a lot of it is driven um, by the agents, to be fair. So you can be in contact with an agent consistently, but you're in no contact with the club. Do you get what I mean? Um, yeah. And obviously, sometimes there is tapping up, but that's what happens in football, right? Um, when was the last time we actually saw a case of tapping up in football because it ha- it must happen so much that everyone was just ignored I think it, yeah, was it would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah. That was like the last one that I remember um, where obviously we dropped the interest and then we came back six months later. Uh, I can't think of anything no, after that. Think of anything recent. There's a golden age of transfers. The old <laughs> when, you know, there'd, be, there'd be a small donation made to the, the charity of the club's choice. I don't know, but like a lot, a lot of agents, what they will do is like they will like reach out to clubs and like they will kind of like ask, so oh, what's the situation? What's the budget? Okay, if you're looking for a striker, how much are you looking to spend? So they'll sort of get a feel as to what clubs looking for what. But then obviously clubs will be like, listen, at the end of the day, we've got a list, and your player is option five on our list. Do you get what I mean? So yeah. I think just just to give a summary, I think there's a lot of domino effect. So if one player leaves, it starts a chain reaction where X player is going to go to that player, then that player is going to move into that club. So I think right now, things are slow, but things are going to pick up in the transfer market. Can I ask a question? Can I ask a question? I think you're going to ask the same question, Krish. But who do you think is the player who is the first domino piece this summer? Word for word, bar for bar. That was literally what I was going to ask. (laughs) (laughs) Uncle mindset, bro. It is, man. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC. Member SIPC. 
Um, Who's causing all of the other moves to happen, Doc? Come on. Harry Kane. Oh. Yeah, I think Harry Kane. Yeah. I think if Harry Kane leaves Tottenham, I think you will see stuff for Tony. Mm. And then we'll see Brentford, they'll sign a striker. So I think Kane, I think Kane is obviously the hottest, hottest prospect on the market. I think if he leaves, I think that's going to create a domino effect in terms of strikers moving. So I also said it might impact Bayern as well because they're gonna they'd have to sell a couple of players if if he does end up going there they'd have to sell a couple of players as well. Mm. Obviously, we've been linked with Kimmich and Goretzka. Now the Goretzka one, by the way, that I'm glad you remember reminded me about that because I completely forgot. Would you go for it? Listen, man, my boy Sobozla is on the same gym routine, man. We're all good. <laughs> <laughs> We're not doing the Vince McMahon recruitment of uh, Premier League football. <laughs> <laughs> He's never really moved me like that, to be honest. Yeah. It gives me, it gives me like Hoiberg vibes, but like just a bit hencher and like maybe a bit better on the ball. <laughs> right. You're just there to kind of give the referee grief. Like we've got Robertson for that. I, I kind of feel like, True. especially because we like, we need to get this midfield signing is potentially the final, not the final piece, but it's potentially one of the final piece. I, you know what? It's potentially the final piece in terms of like our starting 11 for next season. But it can also derail our whole season because then you've got. You go into the season maybe not even signing a midfielder at all. Then you see players getting moved around a little, a little bit. Then inevitably you got injuries. By the time January comes, you could need a DM and then something like a left back as well. It could, it could start like, it could start like that. Yeah. So I think this this signing is so key for us. But yeah, Goretzka, um, he, yeah, he's he's not that guy for me. He's not that guy for me. No, I mean that's fair. I'll kind of come back to you as well. I know you've obviously had some some really good kind of directors from different football clubs on the pod recently, and I would urge listeners to kind of check out um, those interviews you've done. Absolutely fantastic stuff. I always love how you and Dej, like how you articulate the questions, especially when you're talking to like such high profile people. Because I'd just be, I'd be bricking it, like especially if you make sure all my terminology is down. The way you do it is just such such a breeze. Um, Obviously, you spoke to Lee Dykes at Brentford and Paul Barber at Brighton. Do you get a sense when you're talking to them about, you know, some of the footballers at their club, they get a bit protective of them, knowing that there is interest there? I know, like, the David David Raya one was quite quite intense when you were talking about it, and obviously with his contract situation. So do you think that those kind of guys have, those players, they're a little bit protective over and they'll do anything to not stop them leaving the club? But I, I, think so, I think they're real as well, in it? They know the situation. I think Brentford and Brighton two of the, the best-ran clubs in the Premier League. But I think they're quite understanding in terms of, listen, we're not the top six. Do you get what I mean? And if the top six club comes in for one of our players, we'll let them go at the right price. Yeah. And obviously, we saw that with Kukurea um, last season. We saw that with Alexis McAllister. Obviously, there was a clause that we were fortunate enough to exploit. I think we're going to see it with Caicedo. I think he will leave this summer. So I think I asked him about Tony, <laughs> if I remember correctly. And I was like, is there any, like, think about a new contract? And he was like, no, that's not one for today. So, yes, they get protective. But I think at the end of the day, they're directors, they're senior members of staff. I think they're quite open with what they can tell you. And it's not like they're going to get like a pat on the back from the club saying, oh, why did you say that? Because they are the authority at the club. So, yeah, yes, they get protective, but they will give you some hints. 
<laughs> no, that's, that, that's fair. I've always found it like really interesting because I remember like reading some stuff about Michael Edwards and one of the kind of like I guess one of the plays he was really protect not protective over, but he had that affinity for was like Roberto Firmino. So you would have kind of I would have thought like there would have been a bit of emotional attachment, but you just got to remember that it's a business, and if an NFL offer, offer does come in, you have to kind of do that, especially when, when those guys really do have the final say and, and, and the rubber stamp really. A question for you all, by the way. Obviously, we've been talking about how important the midfield signing is. This final midfield signing to not complete the the, the, the rebuild because they'll probably end up having having to be another one next year. Let's let's be real. How important is a centre back for you guys this summer as well? It's the same guys from last season. Um, Ish, I know we kind of touched on this last week. It's Virgil, it's Canate, it's Gomez, and it's Matip. There's not even going to be a Nat Phillips because he looks like he's going to Leeds. So you've got the same four guys who are going to be operating um, in this back line. How important is it that we get in a top-level centre-back this summer? Ish's expression, Ish's expression is killing me, man. <laughs> yeah, just quickly, yeah. When when Chris reeled off those names, I was like, only one of them had a half-decent season. Only Canate can really leave the season with his head held anywhere near high. Van Dijk... We'll speak on him shortly, I'm sure. Gomez, it's probably best I don't even say anything right now. And then Matip, I think, compared to 21-22, crazy drop-off. I'd argue he was probably one of the best centre-backs in the league, if not the best centre-back in the, in the league for periods during that season when we were chasing for the quad. So, like, you're looking at it now and I'm thinking the centre-back situation might be more important than the midfield one. Because you could argue if Henderson stays... And someone said to you, he had to start the season right now with that midfield. It's not ideal, but I feel like we could. No, Ish, I'm not, I'm not having it, man. The centre back. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> We've got dot off the fence, guys. No, no, man, I'm not go. having that. Let me lad, let me lad, let me lad. Let me lad. <laughs> Are you telling me right now, especially if you kind of persevere with this back three as well? Are you telling me right now we could start the season with Van Dyke, Matip, Gomez, and Kanai as just our centre backs? I'm not saying that. No, I don't think we can. No, but I'm, I was both important. But I think the centre back situation is being slept on a little bit. I think if we don't sign a centre back, I say defender. If we don't sign a maybe two defenders, I'm really I'm concerned about our season. I'm very concerned about our season. But I'll let you carry, carry on with what you're going to say, Doc. Go no, I'm not having Hendo starting the first game of the season, man. Like, I'm no, not... no, no, no. But I'm saying that if he was in the squad and we didn't sell him and we had to start the season with him in the squad. And we don't sign another midfielder. I think we could still have a good season, but with no new defenders, we're we're cooked. We're fully cooked. Uh, look, I, I I hear what you're saying in regards to the backs. Yeah, we need both. There's no eyes, yeah. and we we need yeah, both. Right. Like, that's yeah, just, yeah. that's a fact. You get what I mean? Unless we want to fail next season, yeah. then we'll just sign one. But I'm of the opinion that I still think Matip is an excellent fourth choice defender. Do you get what I mean? So, yes, he had a bad season, but bro, that can be labeled at nearly every single player in the squad, bro. Do you get what I mean? That is, that is so, I'm listen, uh, listen, we need a center back urgently because Kanate has not proved his fitness, bro. So, as good as he is, he's gonna pick up injuries. Van Dyke, we, we don't know if he's gonna be back to somewhere near his best or is this his new level. And if this is his new level, he's not the best in the business anymore and he's only getting older. So, mm-hmm. bro, when you think about it, the centre-back position is very, very urgent. It's an emergency, bro. Like, 
it's bruv because we're one injury uh, injury away from having a poor centre back partnership, bro. If I'm being honest, where are you sitting on Gomez, Doc? I'll be real to you, like I, I, I like Joe Gomez. He's but, your boy. That's why I want to say it, because I've been but, listening to but, TBG for a long time. But, so I know you're a big fan of him. Well, I'll sell him. I'll be real. I'll sell him. Try and get 15 million. And 15? Back. Yeah, yeah. 15? Nah, what, so what? Are you not trying to say Gomez is like a 30, 40 million? He hasn't proved it. for Gomez. He's got four or five years left of those contracts. He's got 26. Yeah, but left. all I'd have to do is play you Napoli away. Whoa. <laughs> Napoli away, <laughs> Real Madrid at home, Wolves at home. Listen, listen, this he had a bad season. He had a very yeah, bad, bad season. season. If we're cashing yeah. in, we could get we could get decent money for Gomez. We could get we can definitely get decent money for I Gomez. think the people saying that we can like get like 30 for that's dreamland, man. It's bro, he hasn't done anything so show me what Harry Maguire's going for, then we can kind of base it off that. You see how you see how Brighton were waiting for, for Rice to go before they decided how much Casado was worth. What's Harry Maguire? If, if Maguire goes for 40 million, I want 40 million for Joe Gomez. I think that's fair. I think that's fair. Maguire, yeah, Maguire million, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So uh, let, the let the market dictate. <laughs> who would you, uh, Mush? I know who you're going to say who you'd go for. Um, uh, you know, I think it's, we're both in the it's same. It's ruined problem. now, though. It got ruined today. Man, bro. it's, it's, oh, it's yeah. ruined um, because of. Uh, yeah, and that's and that's that's crap, by the way. That Wesley Fofana got like another. Yeah, um, I feel I feel so sorry for him. Sorry, Don. He looks so confused there. We're Wait. talking about Levi Colwell. Oh, um, so he, he, me, and Chris. I, I mean, I'm absolutely. I was astounded from from the first time I saw him at Brighton. Just everything about him, fantastic. And, and I think the big thing that translates to Liverpool is Brighton defenders curry cover. Sorry, a big rectangle of space. And I think when you when you've got that responsibility and you've shown you know where you where to position yourself to cover that kind of space, always super promising. But obviously, with that really unfortunate for fine injury, by all yeah, by everything I hear, he's a he's a lovely kid. I mean, he's done nothing wrong. He's just gotten two huge injuries, right, and a huge talent. So Chelsea obviously are going to have to cover that with with Colwell being there. Um, I don't. I, I'm. I want to hear what you guys think about who else is out there, man. I'm. I'm. I'm the fixated type. So when I love a player, your Colwells and Turams, I don't think anyone else in the world exists, man. When I love, I love hard. So you guys tell me who else is out there. You know, you know, an interesting one because I was actually thinking about this. Like I agree with you in regards to Colwell. I think he's incredible. I said it from early as well last season, you know. Yeah, you did actually. I, yeah, I knew about him from early, and then you know what's mad? A bit left field, but I think it makes sense. We love he, left field, Doc. We love left field. Young. I think he he would accept being third choice at Liverpool. With who say that again? I'm gonna go with Bella Kochap at Southampton. Hmm. I, I think. It. I don't mind it. Yeah, I think Young. Um, it's gonna improve. He gets picked for Germany squads, even though Southampton are struggling. I think he's I think he's a no risk signing. If you don't play him for two years and he wants to move on, you make your money back. So mm. bro, I think I think that's a yeah, no brainer for me anyway. I don't think he'd be too expensive as well, right? Because he got relegated. So probably within 20 mil, you can probably probably oh, yeah. a little 70 million package deal, him and Lavia. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I hear that. 
that's not bad. Yeah. Little Tyler Morton part exchange, get the fee down a bit. <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting one when we talk about centre backs. It's, it's what you want. So, do you want to invest a little bit more in a left-handed, left left side centre back who who you see as your long-term version of Van Dijk replacement, or do you want someone who can do a bit of utility work and can cover for Canate uh, when he gets his inevitable injury that takes him out for a month? So I think there's those two things there, it, and he's just. It's it's difficult. I think it's, again, it's difficult to find value with centre backs. I always look at someone like, and I probably wouldn't pay the money that they want for him. But Max Kilmer from Wolves, someone who's good player, pretty 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 good. Um, he's shown you know himself to be a, a really good leader in that situation. But again, I think you look again, look around centre back markets and who would potentially be available. It's not particularly great. Ish, have you got any anyone that you'd potentially bring in? <laughs> Apart from the obvious, like I was, I was very high on um, Guardiola after the World Cup. During the last season, in general, even like the World Cup as well, kind of cemented it. But it sounds like he's way out of our price range now. For me, to be honest, though, like if we were going to spend seventy to eighty on Colwell, which now it doesn't seem like it's going to happen, go and spend another twenty because I think. That position for us on the left-hand side before last season was probably like the hardest sell in the world to a young centre-back to come and play on the left-hand side of, of that centre-back role for Liverpool because you're not getting any game. Van Dijk, ever-present, even the cup games, Klopp's probably going to play him. But I think, depending on how he kind of returns this season, I think I do think the club will be looking at someone who kind of come in and play a few more games that season. It won't just be someone just playing the Carabao Cup and that's it. I think we should now be looking at that kind of long-term process. But the markets, for me, the markets, it's, again, like the DM one, you've got like a very big disparity between the top end and you've kind of got no one in the middle who's just kind of like good and at a good price. And you've got people who are like probably quite cheap. And then you're kind of looking at it thinking, are they better than what you've got at the moment? But it's a hard market and it's, it's kind of like, what are we looking for? Are we looking for someone who can kind of play centre-back and right-back? So we're kind of covering Trent potentially. Are we looking for the left-hand side of the role? Because we've seen now if you play a back three, I don't think Robertson can play that left-hand side of centre-back. I kind of think it's, it didn't really work last season for us. So I'm just like, what are the club looking at at the moment? Do we, do we need two centre-backs? Which I kind of think we do. But are we going to get two centre-backs and two midfielders before the end of the window? I think we need a right winger as well, personally. It's just like, <laughs> we need to kind of be sensible with this one. Do we want someone, do we want to break the bank and, and just go big and get someone who's going to be our centre-back for the next four, five, six years, kind of post-Van Dijk? Or I kind of think the club will try and look to do a smart deal. and might be That might be the one that's kind of left towards the end of the window, just because we've got not enough cover for the whole season, but we've got enough cover in terms of like first-team quality. You look at, I know they didn't have the greatest season last season, but if you look at Van Dijk, Canate, Matip and Gomez on paper, that's probably one of the stronger centre-back units in the league. If you're looking at it, maybe only on, on paper alone, if you're looking at it, probably only City and maybe now Arsenal as well because they brought in Timber and they've got kind of Ben White you can play as well. But otherwise, you've got a strongish pool of centre-backs. So I don't think the club, rightly or wrongly, are looking at that as like a immediate fix right now. I think the midfield role, It'll be a one where get that done, whether it's one or two, get that sorted out. And then it's kind of like, see how much money we've got left in our purse. Then we'll kind of try mm-hmm. and be savvy in the market. But I, I, I feel like we won't splash out on that one. I think 
similarly to Van Dyke, I think Cole might have been a one where it's like we wanted him and only him. So I don't know if we revisit that next season when Chelsea sort of sort out their centre back situation. But I I can't see us spending upwards of 20, 30 million on the centre back, which worries me about the quality we're going to bring in. But that's a whole other that's a whole other discussion, I think. But yeah, I think it's gonna be it's gonna be a savvy one late on, kind of similar to like a Simicast where it's like, well, oh, okay, cool, but well, I'll, I'll go with it. Kind of thing. I, I was going to say um, one thing. Another centre-back has come to me because I've actually argued his case. Um, in this new way we're trying to play, uh, where, especially with Robertson, a bit more expectation with him on the ball or, you know, centre-backs being a bit more involved in play, I think it'll be difficult to prize him away. But someone like Bastoni is, is a fantastic, um, really mobile... We were really a day. There was like a day where we were like real strong links that I haven't heard anything. Yeah, I, I think the, th the thing is like Italy are, as a nation, are all in on him in terms of how good he is. Loves to tackle. I think the big difference between him and maybe it Italian centre-backs of the past is he moves really well. Hence why we saw Inter with a lot of success with some amazing deliveries from Bastoni in the corner of the box where they saw some goals as well. Not saying I'm expecting any attacking contribution, but a that balance between a defender that loves to engage, which we just don't see enough of from Van Dijk now, balanced out with a player who loves being on the ball. Um, I think Bastoni would be a great buy, but I just think the PR behind Bastoni, into boy, is going to cost a lot of money probably to, to move him into us. I think he's on a new contract as well. Yeah. So you're probably looking at huge numbers. How would you guys feel about, say, like I said, similar to the Van Dyke thing, say Cole was just the guy that we were going to get. The, the club are not moving on it. They're not going to budge. We went by hook or by crook, we get him somehow. How do you feel about just getting in a mad stop gap for this season? Like I'm talking like, uh, he went down, he got relegated last year. Like, someone like a Robin Cock, just like random. <laughs> do you do you want me dead? <laughs> is, is this what you want? Robin Cock, bro. Real so left my, my, field, like, mad signing. My version and of this was going to be, so you basically kind of do what City, and, and if you can get away with it, will be the question too. If you essentially do what City did and they take, took a bit of a risk on just bringing in a kanji, it was a low fee. He played when he needed to. He was rotational for most of, most of it, but when he did play, he was somewhat impressive. Yeah. Could you essentially do that with a Benjamin Pavard, for example? Could you look at a player like that and say, "Look, we're going to bring we'll, we'll bring him in here. There's enough games where he can play and rotate in, and maybe we can look to upload him in two years." Could you get away with that for now, whilst you do wait for that um, sense of back that you do want for the long term vision in a Levi Carball, whoever it may be. I think I think Pav I think the big thing about Pavard and a lot a lot of the reason why a lot of people are interested is that's very much a defensive uh you know defensive minded right back that is very much the the next signal into moving Trent into midfield right that that that's the big stamp of like okay Trent you go and do what you want to do because Konate doesn't need to cover 80 yards of space anymore because he got he's got another person alongside him I mean it's, the problem is Pavard plays for Bayern, right? So you instantly have an assumption of his quality level. I I don't know if Pavard is as good as the stature of club he plays for suggests. Mm -hmm. Speaking honestly, Dot, you're laughing. I don't know if. Yeah, you... I agree with you. I agree with you. Yeah, he's kind of living that World Cup goal a little bit as well. Yeah, boy. Yeah. Absolute screamer, and then some all right games with Bayern. But I never really think of him as, oh, as like uh, this is this, this is what. 
This is why I wanted Rice, man. And it's just painful because he would have been centre-back cover in an emergency. So you kind of kill two positions in one. You've got the best DM and you've got him as a very, very good centre-back cover. So if there was an injury crisis, boom, Rice moving to centre-back and then boom, Lavia, you can play in the DM role, for example. So I don't know, man. I think... Yeah, I think I think because because like Ish, you keep alluding to the fact that we may need two centre mids, right? And I, for me, I, I just think that's crazy because how many midfielders are we gonna have? Sorry to go off topic, but if if that was the case, I, I'll think someone like Harvey Elliott will have will have to go on loan. I listen, if Harvey Elliott went on loan, you would not see me lose one minute of sleep over it, but at all, like, it's Harvey Elliott. I don't, yeah, I feel like if, if the sacrifice is bringing in two midfielders to, to lose Harvey Elliott or for him to not get game time, I'm, a, I'm okay with that. But I, I do think it, it very much depends on the, on what, on where Klopp sees trend. Because why are we obsessed that, like, new signing equals better? Do you get what I mean? Because, like, Harvey Elliott has talent, bro. He wasn't used or deployed properly last season and that's, yeah, mostly the manager's fault, yeah. And there's one game that sticks in my mind, Newcastle um, at Anfield, yeah. where Harvey Elliott put one of the most complete centre midfield performances in the Premier League, yeah. Wolves and, away in the FA Cup as well. Yeah, yeah exactly. And, he games last season. and this is what I'm trying to say. Like, you, Klopp was telling Harvey Elliott to do things that he's not good at, yeah. When I think profile-wise, who is the closest player in the Premier League in terms of profile? I'm not saying ability or level. I think Odegaard, yeah? Someone that plays in that right number eight role. Someone that picks up the half spaces. Last season, we had no one that can play the ball from that first third into that third where he's going to pick up the ball and turn on the ball. You've got Henderson. Anytime he gets the ball, he's just launching it, yeah? You've got Trent that also does the same a lot of the times, yeah? Yeah. So he was facilitating that role last season, but he doesn't receive the ball. And then when there's a turnover, you're expecting him to run back, but he hasn't got that physicality. So the point I'm trying to make is that I think Harvey Elliott is a special talent, bro. I just think he needs to be deployed properly. But in where, where is my my answer? He's, he's, He's that cover right number eight. Yeah, I well, think he's behind Sir now yeah, that we've signed. Sir Bosline. Bosline. Mm. I, I think the big thing is, guys, we're talking about all these midfielders, yeah? I, what, what's... I, I don't, I'm going to use this word, honestly. What's scaring me right now is we have rightly complained this past season that we look old, we look immobile, we look completely insufficient for competing at the top level. But we are going from an average age of 32 bro everyone's 21 and 22 now like what there's no other club i've seen where every single midfielder is basically still able to play in the summer under 21 tournaments like how many clubs have given that much responsibility to you know players of that age i think the midfielder in particular is just so indicative of how poorly we've transitioned from Klopp's first team to the yeah. second because we've literally Klopp obviously heard us all say last season, oh, just get rid of the whole midfield. We've literally offloaded about five or six players. This is unheard of, pretty much. Only Chelsea have really done that in, in recent memory. And we saw what happened to them last season. 
But as much as it is scary, I hear what you're saying, Michelle. It is a very scary prospect to go into the season with like Curtis Jones, Elliot, Bajatic. Not because of their quality, but just because of their. No, I'm, I'm, but I'm including the signings, bro. Sobozalai's 22, yeah, all, McAllister's 23, all of them. It is mad, but I feel like. It's only scary because it's been it's been accelerated so much because we we planned it so poorly. But these players needed to go. The players we agree, got, agree. that doesn't have, change. I agree with that. Had to go, so I feel like it might stunt us. It might be short term pain for long term gain. Like it might hurt us mm. this season. I do think this season now where I thought if we get the summer right, we could maybe challenge. I'm now not really thinking that just because of how much upheaval has been. But I feel like long term. I'd much rather see Henderson and Fabinho and and Kato and Ox. Kato, we've seen get injured again already, just by just by warming up. Like these guys, <laughs> these guys were these guys were making me so unhappy last season. Like, and I don't have any personal problem with any of them. They're all they've all done great things for a club in some capacity, but they all had to go. Some of them should have gone last season. That's that's the real issue in this. Some of them, some of them should have gone last year, but we are where we are. And it, it listen, it's going to be spooky. It might take a while to get things going, but. We're going in the right direction. This is what I've wanted to see from Klopp. I, I've, I honestly thought Henderson would finish finish his career. And I know he's engineered the move, but I thought this guy was finishing his career here. I thought Milner would play two more years as well. and then go Two and more? That takes you I did not think we would let these guys go. I did not think we were going to let these guys go. Can I ask something? First game of the season, yeah? Thiago, Shabozlai and McAllister as the midfield three. The DM. What are we saying? Tiago is the DM. Bro, I, I like it. Good luck on them transitions, bro. That's, yeah, that's what yeah. I'm gonna say. Turnovers are. <laughs> I, I, I like. I, I wouldn't mind it, you know, because that's the one thing we underestimate about Tiago's game. It's quite tenacious, and he can win the ball back. So, wicked tackler, wicked tackler. But Chris, the only thing I'm saying is. Tiago, in defence midfield, you're covering a, a horizontal block that is wide. This it's is very thing, different to meeting seen, and engaging seen, the ball. As a, as we've a seen him in a double pivot before, though. You know what I mean? Like, when we almost yeah, did the point. Ain't that the whole Trent thing, where Trent is going to be that extra sort of DM. Like, yeah. so there's going to be two people there. I'm hearing it, you know. I'll be real. Listen, it's pure football, isn't it? So it'll be it'll be complete a culture shock. We can least. say, oh, a lot of it was Fabinho's legs are gone, Henderson. But let's be honest, the tactics last season were horrible oh. from Klopp. I, like, yeah, yeah. I wanted to ask, right. I wanted to ask you guys this actually, um, because we we've talked about so much. And Chris, I really want to know what you think in terms of. I, I personally thought we got to a place where Klopp was so desperate to relive the tactics that had worked previously. And I'm excluding the last 10 games. I'm saying what the majority of the season was. Yeah. Don't you think it would almost be negligent to continue to persist with a, with a high line just for the sake of the fact that it's worked in the past? I don't know how you counteract it, though. That's the only thing. But don't you think more technical players like we've got now... As you can look after the ball, your McAllister's, Shabozlai's better on the ball than Henderson, no doubt. Don't you think that allows us to play from a bit deeper, to look after the ball and slowly work up the pitch a bit more? Or do you think he's trying to reload 17-18? I don't think he's going to try and go that intense. Um, 
you know, we will we will win these we will win this game. You score two, we will score four. I don't think it's going to be anything like that. I think there's going to be some measure of control towards what we do. I mean, the big thing for me is, and I think you've all hit the nail on the head. We were so tactically tactically inept last season in some of the situations that we, we were. I mean, Wolves away for a start. They hadn't scored. They scored. I think what scored four goals at home for the entire end of the season, and then they or they basically did a hundred percent uplift on that in one game. That was absurd. We need to be in. We need to be in situations like this for next Chris, season where. Chris, you're forgetting Brighton away. Thiago tip of the diamond, man. Never forget. Never ever forget that. Yeah, mate. we see. see what I mean. It was just, <laughs> and this is why. This is why I think this transfer window has been good so far, but it needs to be great because the one thing that the manager will thrives on is having enough, you know, kind of chess pieces on the board. How can we maneuver them? How can I change up my approach and my tactics from from week in week out? And I want to see us use more than one formation this season. If it makes sense for us to go four three three in one game, great, let's do it. If we need to do the box midfield in an, in in a stretch of them, fantastic. You need to just have enough in your in your toolbox to win by any means possible, especially for the heights that we want to want to rise. And all the good coaches are very flexible from what they do. So, look, if it makes sense, and you are right because the game we beat City in last year, we didn't play with a high line. We sat back when we absorbed the pressure. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Do you, do you think Jones will be key because he's he's kind of forget age he's kind of become an experienced player now in that midfield right six of them have gone he's probably one of the the most experienced player he probably is the outright most most experienced player now in the midfield having played I mean at Liverpool I'm excited you know I'll be real first game of the season if I see him starting I've got no issues I'll be I'll be real with you man I the way he closed out that season bro yeah. I'm fully in. Also, big up Lee Cartley as well, man. Um, Jones in the double pivot. I've seen the vision. Um, I wouldn't mind seeing it in pre-season. Don't know about a league game. Um, but yeah, man. Un- unforeseen circumstances might be the title of this podcast, by the way. Uh, and one of the unforeseen circumstances that we've seen in the past week or so is that Jordan Henson may leave the football club. Um, and it is it is odd because, like you said, I thought he was going to be someone who... Maybe he did a year at Sunderland, depending on what happens there, if they get back in the Premiership. They're doing quite well, uh, building back up from a Championship point of view. But I generally did think he would spend the rest of his career here. And, you know, whatever we think about him, he has declined as a footballer, it goes about saying. But I don't want to be too overly critical and too overly harsh. He's been a fantastic servant for the football club and he's given 100% when needed. And boy, has been needed in some moments. Dot, how shocked and taken aback by you when you kind of first heard this because it just came out as like little rumours and you're kind of thinking it's a bit weird I knew that someone senior had to leave bro because as I was saying I think we've got too many midfielders and obviously like when you look at it Milner left so everyone probably would have thought it would be Thiago do you get what I mean so when the Henderson rumours actually came out I was thinking okay but I hear it like, he's not going to get the game time that he's expected to get. I don't think he's going to be happy doing the Milner role. So, <laughs> something has to give. You've got to accept your position where you're going to be a squad player and you're going to probably start 15 games, 20 games a season. Mm. Or you say, you know what? I'm going to cash out. <laughs> Do you get what I mean? So, 
Listen, Henderson, I respect him. Like, top player, he's been fantastic for us. But for me, like, I think it's I think it's time to move on because I think where we need to go to, he's not that guy to take us there. He, he, he does need someone different to shepherd in that next journey. And I think you're completely right. And you brought up an interesting point. I think he, and obviously the thing is, he came in, he had a sit down with the manager and he was like, you're going to have a reduced role this season, which I think everyone involved would have saw coming. And if Jordan Henderson didn't see that coming, I'm absolutely stunned. Um, do you think that was the, do you all think that was the main driver for him wanting this move? Put Putting the money aside in one second and, I say put it aside, it's a massive pile of money, so I'm trying to keep it out your out your gaze. Um I, I would think so, but I think Henderson knew that he's always gonna get reduced this season. You're seeing McAllister coming, you're seeing Shabazla coming, you're seeing us being linked for two more midfielders. Of course, <laughs> even you get what I mean, like you must be work up with it. Exactly, you get what I mean. So craziness. Listen, I think everything comes to an end, bro. Like, I've got nothing bad to say against Jordan Henderson, bro. Like, he's been a great servant for the club. He's been a great captain. And he's also been a fantastic player. Let's not just give him all the qualities of leadership and all Thank that. You. He's, Thank he's been you. a very good player for the club. But in terms of where we want to go, no, nah, man, we need to move on. Do we all think he leaves? Yeah, I, I, yeah, yeah. He, he must at this point. He he must for his for not even like I don't want to say for his sake in terms of like he's gonna get like chased out of the club or anything. But I feel like it's just it's it's a bit embarrassing for him now that he's obviously signaled to Klopp or whoever that he wants out. And I feel like he kind of thought he could kind of get it done, go out the back door, not even have to go to Germany on this preseason and it would get, and it would get finished. But I think it's kind of dragging out a little bit now. And I kind of feel like there's not really a way back for him in, in that respect. But he's, listen, 12 years at a club is pretty much unheard of. He's been captain for a long time as well. There's no shame in, in, in the journey coming into an end. But I think a lot of people at the club who kind of say it's come to an end in a bit of a sour way. But listen, not everyone can get a testimonial and get and get clapped off and get their flowers. That football doesn't really work like that all the time. So if we can get 10 to 15 million for him, I, I think most Liverpool fans would have bitten your hand off, to be honest, if you if you found this out before the summer. Fifty five million for for Binyo and Henderson, like, come on. Based on last season, that is that is a near that's nearly a miracle. So I'm I'm, I'm completely fine with him moving. Happy to shake hands. Thanks for the memories, but yeah, he, he needs to be moved. On. If we if we're really serious about where we're going, hundred percent. Henderson cannot be chopping any serious minutes for us next season. So I'm surprised. The only thing that surprises me that he's not actually okay with taking this role up like we've seen a player like James Milner who for me if you're talking purely ability is maybe twice the player over Henderson he's been he's been kind of taking that role for the last couple of seasons so I'm surprised that Henderson's not really happy with just kind of playing a bit part role but I guess that's kind of speaks something of of the kind of player that he still thinks he is I know he's compared himself to Modric and your cruises before so I think he must have a an idea that he can still play Week in, week out, which good luck to him. I wish him good luck, but yeah, not for, not for my club, I'm afraid. It is a bit pro before pro before the fall uh, when you do look at it, and and you hit the nail on the head. Very rare and very seldom in sports do you, does anyone ever really get that happy ending. 
No one ever really gets the ride up in the sunset. Yeah, he's yeah, he's saying, oh, he needs a he needs a send off. Why? Like, <laughs> we've seen the Hendo shuffle. Like he's done great things. He's got memories. Bro, I've I've seen Steven Gerrard get slapped up by Stoke and slapped up by Palace at home before he left. Man, listen, if see, not even Stevie got a hero's you know walk into the sunset. So you just need to hold it and and keep moving. And yeah, like like you've said, Ish. You've got the you've got the best memories possible of lifting trophies, and no one should take that away. And, and I think I should speak against what's been happening. Like I get that people can't stand how Henderson's playing at the moment. I get that, but for people to think this is who Henderson has always been, I find disgusting. Because when we were the most intense, the quickest tempo, Henderson was the player who played with the least touches. Genie would touch the ball, shield it. Fabinho would take two years to decide what to do. When it came to injecting and playing helter-skelter, gegenpress football, Jordan Henderson was the one who was defining that. Go back and watch 2018 Man City when Darren Fletcher on commentary is going crazy every time Henderson wins a tackle. Or go watch when we dared to play 4-2-4 away at the Etihad and Henderson and Fabinho are holding it down. Like, go and watch those games and go and tell me that, yeah, hoofing it into the box is what Henderson has always been. He hasn't. His, his drop-off has been horrific. I agree. No, 100% much. I agree. I agree. Yeah. I'm not going to consign... A, yeah. I'm not going to consign 10, 10 really good years with some excellent years within that to 12, you know, the last two years being the def definition of who he was. Yeah. We yeah. all said in 13-14, if he didn't get sent off against Chelsea, we'd probably win the league that year. We Are we forgetting all this? When yeah. our title challenge started because... Steven Gerrard was in the studio watching us play at White Hart Lane saying Jordan Henderson's putting out the best English midfield performance he's seen in years. We're forgetting all that just because Suarez scored a hat-trick that day. I'm not forgetting all that. That's mm. what I'm going to say. I, I'm with you. I'm 100% with you. My only thing is I'm not part of the group of people who are like, Henderson must stay. If he no, I, but I've, I've said that as well. What, what's really been kind of drawing me a bit is people saying, oh, where's the leadership, where's the leadership going to be? We saw this guy last season for majority of the game. We saw him shove Nunes out of the way when he was marking a player. I forget which game it was. Um, Forrest, then the player goes and scores. Then he then he has a go at, then he has a go at Nunes afterwards. We saw him <laughs> score up Allison after Allison kept us in the game. So let's have like real consistency with this now. We do you talk about leadership? Obviously, there's stuff that we don't see that goes on, but last season on the pitch, I did not see captain's performances from this guy. So let's not now do revisionism and say yeah, yeah, yeah. he's going to start carrying Trent throughout the games again. Like He's not that anymore. It's done. It's done. It, it's just, exactly. Same way for Bino, it's done. Just oh, it's mad. Let these guys I, go. Let these guys go. I put out a clip. I was listening to a diary of CEO and I put out a clip on um, Lampard talking about Henderson and Milner, yeah? Oh, yeah. yeah. And like, it kind of got like mad traffic on Twitter and honestly, bro, the fan base is 50-50, you know? Some are like, we're going to have no leadership and some are like, listen, it's time to go get out. So it's it's, it's mad. Dot, do you know what's crazy? Hmm. Barca fans are saying, thank goodness Busquets is gone. Who are we to beg Henderson to stay if Sergio Busquets... Bro, I want Hendo. Bro, I'm ha Hendo's got my, my well wishes, bro. Like 100%. Hero walking into the sunset, bro. <laughs> who, who would you all give the captain's armband to? Why is this a debate? Not Van Dyke. Why, why is this a, de a debate? Well, where do you sit, though? You're getting annoyed, but where do you sit? 
Bruv, I see that you oh, give me in, in, in the pecking order of what it is right now. Third captain is Van Dijk. Why all of a sudden, when Van Dijk was first signed to Liverpool, everyone was like, make him the captain. He has one bad season where he's not showing leadership on the pitch. No one wants Van Dijk as captain. Like, it don't make sense, bro. When he was signed, everyone was like, listen, strip Hendo and give the captaincy to Van Dijk. He has one bad season and now people are saying, not Van Dijk. I just... He's never really done it for me as captain. I just feel like he doesn't... There's, I don't see presence with him. He's still just trying to do the same old not engaging with his centre-back. That, centre but that's what I'm saying. You're talking about last season, my bro. No, 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 no. Van Dijk has never, for me, been vocal enough on the pitch. If there's a scrap going on, he's not really active. He's not He's not there. He's just kind of walking along, kind of... Aura, aura things, yeah? Yeah, yeah. And I hate... Aura becomes like the buzzword, but I don't really see Van Dijk as like a, a, a galvaniser. And I know you get different types of captains, but... But then it begs the question, who? I'm not, I don't really have any overwhelming person. I don't really like goalkeepers being captain, but I'd probably go Alisson in terms of like, if you're going to be someone who's going to set the standard in terms of your level and your performance, he's probably our most consistent performer. I'd, I'd probably go someone like that, unless you take a punt on a Trent and kind of run it back to like Julio or Gerard and give it to them before they're kind of ready for it and hope they grow into the role. But also, I don't really care to be honest. Like last city, did last season, did we know <laughs> kind of passing it around between four or five players? Like, to, listen, as long as you're not stinking up the gaff and you're not kind of being reckless and, and not like kind of leading in that sense, it doesn't really matter who's got the armband. It, for me, it, it doesn't matter as long as you've got three, four leaders on the pitch, it, it, it doesn't matter. Bro, Van Dyke captain for me. Well, who would you would you give Trent vice captain? Give it. Uh, you have to give it. I think you'd have to give it Mo. To be fair, why? I thought Mo would kick up a fuss. We saw. Was it? Was it Atalanta away? Yeah. Like, he was like getting upset because he didn't get given the armband. I kind I of like Michelland as well. I think he got mad upset. At yeah. I, like, I just remember it was a dead rubber game, man. I think Trent got the armband before he did, and he was kicking up a fuss. Like I feel like you'd have to have him in the group, and in terms of like experience and, and sort of being the guy who's done it. You don't get better than Salah, but yeah, yeah, potentially. Then you've got Robbo, who's kind of the most vocal, but I don't even know if he's a guaranteed starter anymore. Bro, it's... what's mad is that last season, I was like, he was like, for me, I was like, bro, we should shut Robertson, you know? No, 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 no. <laughs> the drop-off was, yeah, drop was, was not, it wasn't pretty to see last season. I no, feel like no, it was on the radar as well. Yeah, like all this charging out, like for no reason, leaving the space behind you, and then boom, goal. And I just got frustrated. He was the person I was most frustrated with last season. I think he was terrible, honestly, but mm. he was bad. He, he dropped a lot of stinkers. He dropped a lot. <laughs> he dropped a lot. It's like you only care about the big games, but it just happens by virtue. Like the games he dropped stinkers in, Gomez was, was next to him, just dropping a worse stinker or Trent, <laughs> absolute madness. But. Hey, I remember last season thinking, you're so lucky that someone else was more shit. He was, he was not good last season. He was not good last season. But he seems to come, come back in pre-season and like... Delivery you know, was... It seems like yeah. he's kind of got cool. something about him again. But yeah, I, it could get quite spooky for him. Especially if he persists with this, with this back three. I don't see him starting every game. Yeah, it becomes a bit of a luxury at that point. Um, yeah, there were times last season where there was so much space in behind and VAR was saving his bacon a ridiculous amount. Um, yeah, le the, the less said about last season, the better. <laughs> so, um, 
We're heading into a new season. Preseason starts tomorrow, today when you're listening. Um, so before we sign off, what's one thing you're looking forward to seeing this preseason? Doc, I'll start off with you. I can't wait to see McAllister and Shabazzai playing number eight. I think McAllister is going to be incredible for us. Um, and it's funny because when we were linked with him, I was like, not only him. Do you get what I mean? He's like, he's not the X-Factor signing, but I think he can be like a Gundogan for us. Where yeah, going to pop up with important goals. He's very technical. He keeps the ball well. He doesn't excel at anything, but he's very good at everything. So I think McAllister, Shabuzla, that link up, is going to be it's going to be scary next season. Here, I'm, I'm all here for it, and the interchangeability I've been seeing with both of them in training as well. It's, um, yeah, it's nice to have it's nice to have fluid footballers back here in Liverpool football uh, colours. Mush, how about you? Yeah, I think I think mine is is similar, but I'm going to narrow it to to Sabozlai. I think it's going to be so exciting to have some excitement from midfield in terms of a player who can score great goals, great shots, gets us off our seat. What when was the last time we had a player who who got us, you know, screaming from midfield? It didn't. We had to wait until the ball got to the attack, whether it was a Mane or a Salah for something to happen. Now we've got a guy who's going to keep keepers on their toes. When was the last time apart from two Fabinho goals a season from outside the box? When did we even see goals outside the box? It's a part of the game that I, I watch Real Madrid who batter us once every two years. Modric will hit the bar. Cruz hits the bar. All of these things. Like, I'm really excited to have a special a special crowd favourite in Chaboslai. In I think it's going to be really good for us. Mush, you know what's mad? And I think, sorry, Ish, because I know you're probably going to go next, but like, bro, like, I think that's why we've become so easy to defend against. Like, yeah. you can just drop deep and we don't have any sort of edge of the box threat. And we and don't do anything not, unexpected as well. No, That's the other thing. But now we've got three. Because mm. I think McAllister, he's got a shot. Shabozla's yeah. got a shot. And I think Cody Gakpo, he's one to watch next season, yeah. I think he explodes. Yeah. But yeah. the question I wanted to ask you guys is, I'm worried for Darwin Nunes, you know. Oh, I mean, God, here we go. Don't be worried, bro. Don't be worried. As long as we get a good fee for him next summer, 50 million. <laughs> <laughs> I'm worried. I'm worried. Thanks for the I'm worried still. Where does he get into the team? Where does he get into this team? That's 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 I want to throw that question back at you guys. He's fifth choice and he's rightfully fifth choice, but mm-hmm. you will get opportunities, and when you get that opportunity, you gotta make sure you're staying there. Do you get what I mean? Because yeah, for me, I, I'll be real to you, Jota for me starts the first game of the season. For me, yeah, right. He's Obviously, our he's our most underrated player. I think Jota yeah. he gets slept on, never really gets mentioned when you talk about our forwards that much, but He's probably our second most reliable attacker as well, right? After Salah, everyone else is like, uh, maybe this is their day. But Jota, you give him enough chances, he's going to score, man. That, that That's the way he works, right? I think Luis Diaz is obviously the, the better player. But first game of the season, I'm going with Jota on the left and Gakpo up front. Interesting, interesting. I hear that. Go on, Ish. Ish. What was the question? What I'm most looking forward to preseason. Yep. Um, I've, I've spoken about it quite a bit already, but I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where Trent's deployed. Whether he's kind of put back at right back, which I don't really want to see too much. But then, weirdly enough, in the, in the training videos, McAllister's been playing on the right in the two clips that I saw. 
And then Sabozla was on the left in yesterday's one. But I think today Trent was kind of popping up on that in that inside left-hand channel, cutting in. So I just think we've got we've got a lot of possibilities. I know the midfield, like we've kind of spoken about in detail, is not anywhere near like complete or set in stone. But what excites me is that we've got a lot of flexibility. Players can kind of pop up anywhere. Whereas the last few years, it's been flipping out. It's been Fabinho, you only play as a six. Henderson, you can only play on the right-hand side. KR, bro, we don't even see you. Ox, we don't even see you either. Milner, you're kind of just used everywhere. But now we've got, we've got options and it's exciting. We don't know what formation we're going to play. We don't know who's going to play where. So, yeah, so it's exciting times. Even though I'm a bit nervous, I'm still excited to see where, where guys are going to pop up. And then just secondly as well, just I, I want to see out of the academy players who might break through. Like we saw last season with Bajatic, I think he kind of impressed in the preseason games. Mm-hmm. Can uh, Connor Bradley do something from right back and then play so well that it kind of means that we don't need to invest so heavily in the market? So, yeah, I'm interested to see if, if any Spanners pop up. But, yeah, just word to what Dot was saying. So what Dot was saying. Darwin Nunes, I think he's going to need to hit the ground running. I think this, whether it's preseason or in the season, because yeah, I'm, I'm concerned about him. I feel like we won't give him another season like this before trying to ship him off next week, next summer, just because of the value. So yeah, big season for him. The amount Trent's going to create, I think he's going to have very little excuses if he's not finishing the season. That's the that's the big thing. You 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 just assume, and we saw hints of it last season. That arced ball that Trent keeps finding. Listen, Darwin doesn't have much else, but he's got excellent movement and he's, he's he he somehow always seems to be in the chances, but you need to convert them, man. That, that, that's your bread and butter right there. So if he's not converting, then... I know we're, we're trying to round up, but you want me to be honest here? Yeah? When we, you know, when we played Benfica? Yeah. And obviously Darwin Nunes, I think he scored and had a good game. Bro, I didn't rate him. Thank you. I, I, I I, I even messages. I even said at the time, this guy, his technique looks so clumsy. It was terrible. Like we, we, so, even the goal he scored, which I think he kind of he it was lucky, bro. Like he finished. It was like a weird finish. His body shape was weird. He was kind of his feet were kind of arts like that. I was like, this guy does not look like a like a very cultured footballer. I'm not really sure about him, especially at the time because we were talking about like replacing Firmino. I was like, the drop off in terms of technical ability alone, forget finishing. I'm I'm not with it. So I'm kind of never been that high. Even like, even when I was like going through his like goals, like he doesn't make, bro, he doesn't make. When I was watching them, he doesn't make clean contact with the ball. Like he's not emphatic. So that's how I was like, oh, he very much reminds me of like a Raheem Sterling. How he, the ball, he never really connects that cleanly with the ball. He'll score some great goals, but you look at you look back at the goal, it's like, oh, his foot shape's a bit weird. And I don't want to get too like technical in it, but. I just think that with a player like Darwin Nunes, he's always going to be quite streaky. I think if he's playing and he's and the team are firing, he'll do well. But we're looking at a guy who you've alluded to is now fifth choice. Is he going to come in and have an impact like a Jota would, where Jota will not play four games, but he'll come up and get a brace? That's that bro, remember that game against Tottenham last season? Yeah. Darwin Nunez never ever scores that last yeah, minute. That, that's impossible. That's never. literally impossible. He'll get, like, get in a position, but he mistakes it. Scuffs yeah, it wide. Of course, of course. Listen, Darwin. I think the biggest thing that worries me is is what you you guys are both saying, which is there's not a particular type of chance where I'm convinced Darwin will score. Yep. Whether it's one on one, whether it's on the angle, whether it's a flash cross, there is nothing where you're like, well, like I'm applauding because Darwin is missing sitters because he's just getting chances. That's when I have to revise it. Like if this guy wasn't playing for Liverpool, 
I'd be Twitter fingers straight away, but like, yeah, man, just. I think the one hope is that you hope it clicks. Because let's be honest, if it does click, it's frightening. I'm all in. I'm all in. And I think that's why we spent the big money that we're hoping that it clicks. I don't think they're sure, but they're thinking if it does click, it's going to be scary. That's such a big gamble we played, man. Especially because it resulted in not signing a proper midfielder last summer. This could be, if, if this flops, if he flops this season and we sell him, we're looking at one of Klopp's worst signings just because of the ramifications it had on last season as well. So I, I don't know, man. I'm I'm not too confident in it. But I don't I, I don't know how he's becoming such a fan favorite. I don't I don't really get it. I don't really get the whole like. It obviously works hard, didn't it? Do you know what I mean? He's got passion. If you're a midfielder, I hear it. But as my striker, you assign you you've now got a big number nine on your back. And we are pulling work rate and work rate only. Like, I, <laughs> it's sad, man. It's, it's sad. But I hope he does well. I hope he does well. So, weirdly, he was going to be one of my uh, exciting things about preseason, but you've all shit yeah. out over that. So, no, um... no, no, no. <laughs> we need you to <laughs> the narrative, no, Chris. No, I mean, I, I, everything I've seen from all the training videos, obviously, the big thing was can he actually learn English? He's learned English. I don't know what that does in terms of helping you connect with the ball better and put it back in the back of the net, but in terms of your communication, it will definitely help. I think that is so overcooked as a thing. In... We've all played football before, five aside, yeah. the guys speak English. Pass there, do that there. Bro, um, you, you Aguero you. came and went, didn't learn English throughout his time here, man. No one said anything. I'm not trying to hear this. And let's face it, Klopp's tactics are not Pep's tactics. He's not asking you to get in the, the, the core of the half space and do all of this and that. It's yeah. kind of stay on the shoulder, rely on cutbacks. Like, I'm sorry, man. If Klopp, him not speaking English did not stop him from missing one-on-ones last season. Like, let's, let's, let's not do this. But no, I you can, you, you're completely right. I'm... Um, the one thing I've seen from the, some of the training videos, he's looked a bit more composed in terms of how he's connecting with the ball. So it's a big start. The big thing is, though, when he's in for those one-on-ones and what was killing him last season, it's always head down. And at the last possible second, he'll look up and see where he needs to place the ball. There's none of the, okay, scanning, scanning, scanning. There's none of that. So that's the one thing that needs to kind of actually adjust itself. But I've, I think he'll be okay. Um, I've, I've got some belief. But my second one is kind of seeing who that next academy player is going to be, who breaks through. So I'm really looking to see, you know, Jarrell Kwanzaa playing some of the games in this preseason. Um, I'm hoping he kind of gives a really good account of himself. Do no, you think he's ready for senior football? I think if he, I think what we'll do, we'll get him like a really good top level championship move and then um, oh, reevaluate it from there. I mean, we've had a big discussion about how important centre-backs are for here. I think he's got the physical, he's got all the physical tools needed. Um, and whenever I saw him on loan last season, he looked fairly impressive. So if he can kind of get a really good, he we can do a good show in here in preseason, so get like a good South, championship. Southampton or something like that. Yeah, man, like a Coventry or something. You know what I mean? Like where they actually play somewhat, they play really good football. Um, Coventry players three at the back as well. So you kind of have somewhere where their, their philosophy sounds similar to ours. You let him get that real good game time and develop. And then you see how you can integrate him from from next season, really. So this this so those are my two kind of big things, really. But no, I'm just looking to see how. I'm, it's just nice to see, you know as as bad as last season was. There's nothing better than the renewed optimism of preseason to kind of really see, you know, where we're going to finish, and we will be there every step of the way. Um, but yeah, that's that's all for this week's pod. Um, Dot, thank you so much for joining us. It's been an absolute Thanks pleasure you. having you here. Is there anything you'd like to plug? Um, follow the beautiful game podcast. 
True. It itself. <laughs> Short and simple. <laughs> no, I mean, you guys have been killing it. Um, I mean, the, the content you've been putting out recently has been absolutely sublime. Um, the interview, obviously, uh, recent Lauren's dad last week was fantastic. It's really good eye-opening stuff about just coaching in general and, you know, you know, I think being a father of football really as well is some, one of the most underrated aspects. So you're doing an absolutely cracking job. If you haven't already, I don't know what you've been doing, there, but please go listen to the Bugle K podcast. Mush-ish, thank you very much for joining me this week. Um, we, will, we will be here no matter what. Um, but yeah, that has been your episode of Copper and Fracas for this week. Uh, we will see you next week when hopefully we have a new science to talk about potentially. <laughs> but until then, we'll see you soon. Thank you, brothers, for having me. Sports Social Podcast Network.